Welcome to season three. Welcome to season three of this most unbelievable podcast. We're doing it, Paul. We're doing it, Sherry, and here we are again. Here we are again. So when we started season one, we had no plan. We just explored topics as they came up. And for season two, we made a plan. How do experiences go through the mind, the body, and the heart? Now we go into season three. Do we have a plan? Well, a couple of topics keep coming up. Yeah, so what reoccurring theme do you see, Paul? I see the topic of connection coming up a lot. What do you see, Sherry? Definitely connection, and also persistence. Uh, Connection and persistence. These are pretty big themes, Paul. These are pretty big themes, Sherry, and we'll do our best to cover them well here in Season 3. And we thank you, dear listeners, for joining us as we explore these topics. If you like what you hear and you want to support us, please visit the website and click on the donate button to support us on Patreon. You can also check out our website where you can learn more about the workshops and events we have coming up. Thanks for listening, everybody. Now on with the show. Good afternoon, Sherry. Paul. I'm a little afraid that I pushed the button at the wrong second. Uh, we can adjust for that in post-processing. I believe in you, but I just wanted to confess it, like, or I would think about it the whole episode. Yeah, well, it's good to get, maybe be honest about these things and get them addressed and out of the way so we can focus on the good stuff. And I'm going to break tradition with the way this huh. starts. I'm also going to say hello, listeners, because I... Oftentimes, it's just say, hello, Sherry, but hi, listeners. It's wonderful to be uh, recording this today for uh, for you as well as this Are you going to wait for them to respond? Yes. Yeah. Nothing yet. Nice. <laughs> Thanks, listeners. <laughs> Thank you, listeners, right? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, cool. Cool. How are you doing cool, today? Cool. How am I doing today? Doing all right? Uh, I'm good good um i think boy it's been a it's been a day i woke up this morning sounding like uh kermit the frog who has been chain smoking his whole life i remember you were saying that Uh uh-huh but i took uh despite teaching two classes and having a whole bunch of student meetings i took good care of my voice and so i feel like i still sound like my normal old self yeah you have 58 minutes worth of speaking voice left uh, I do. And this will take care of it. So mm-hmm. give your voice a rest. You teach tomorrow as well. So I do. I teach tomorrow morning and then I don't teach again until like January. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say a while. Mm-hmm. A I mean, while. I, the semester's not over, but I do a bunch of individual conferences after this. Yeah, we're getting close. We're getting close. I mean, students are starting to ask, are we meeting again? It's like, yeah, we got a couple of weeks. Hang on, hang on. Uh, but yeah, we're definitely in the home stretch, and they feel it, and I feel it, and I think you feel it, and I think everybody feels it that we're coming up on the on the uh, on the on the last days of something here. Yeah. In, in our do you feel? Employer. Do you typically, Paul, feel like that? There's something for me, like in the air, where it shifts from. Um, I feel really, really stressed out about getting to the end of the semester. And then like, maybe it's like you're pushing up a hill and then all of a sudden, uh, like there's a little bit of a turning point where I'm like, 
oh yeah, I I know the way from here. Yeah, kind of. I mean, my perspective changes a little bit from, you know, getting through the semester, you know, going through the daily. I mean, I don't want to call it a grind. I love my job, so I don't want to come across like it's a chore or anything like that. But it is a job that is a little taxing. Mm -hmm. It's tiring. It takes full attention and effort to do well. And I like to do a good job with this kind of stuff. And so the the late September, October days are, okay, let's keep it going, let's keep it going, keep it going. Um, let's engage, uh, stay on the front line of this. And by the time middle of November comes around, um, I do feel that that little bit of a mm-hmm. shift where, okay, home stretch, we've crossed the last turn. We can sort of see a finish line here. On, and thinking stops, or it's kind of shifts. I wouldn't say it stops, it shifts from you know how do we maintain and stay engaged as we go through you know the material during a a long 15 or 16 week semester to how do we want to wrap this up Mm -hmm. you know how do we want to wrap this up into a how do we want to put a bow on this package Mm -hmm. and I definitely feel like I'm in that place it's like how do I how do I close this out in a way that is memorable and productive and feels positive to everyone involved where everybody feels like it's uh, a complete thing yeah by the end yeah. of the, by the end of the end of the year so for sure yeah for sure. absolutely so you said that our job is a little bit taxing so i'm curious yeah. from your point of view what makes teaching a tax like not necessarily t- i'm not sure if i want to use the word taxing but what makes this a big job why is it hard to be a teacher uh, why is it hard to be a teacher um you feel like you're trying to do something with a group of students where they're, I, I, I want to say all, but that might not be true. Many of them are coming in with um, their own perspectives, which their own points of view. Uh, and we're going to, we're going to do some developmental stuff together, but we're all starting from a different place. Mm-hmm. And so how do you hold a space for people to um, engage in a, I want to say educational, but we, we both would, I think I would argue it's more than strictly educational with our content place mm-hmm. where um, we can, we can all come together into a common shared space and move in a direction and then disperse back out afterwards where everybody's coming in with a different with a different perspective and looking for different things and with different histories and how mm-hmm. do you in making space for all of that to be okay and available and there at the same time mm-hmm. and i don't know if there's like anything tangible with what i just said because it all seems sort of philosophically loosey-goosey but holding space where everyone is welcome and is able to grow and learn and to participate is not uh, easy to do. It requires a lot of focus and a lot of attention, a lot of intentionality and a lot of mm-hmm. work on oneself in order to get yourself into a place where you feel like you can do that well. Yeah. I mean, it's really amazing to me. The longer I teach, the more I realize like exactly what you're describing. Like part of what makes it really hard is just also maybe what makes it beautiful, right? Like everybody's bringing something else to the table. Um, Everybody has different experiences. And so the entry points for everyone, they're all over the place. Wildly different, wildly different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so trying to figure out how do we come together and accomplish whatever it is 
that we agree is the thing that we're doing together. And I think the other problem is we don't always agree. We don't all agree what we're there for. No, we no, we don't. We have we have a vague sense that the job is uh, that there's going to be teaching and that there's going to be learning. <laughs> and they but, have their responsibility, and I have mine, and we're all going to get in line and get it done, right? Yeah, but um, I think even my understanding of what it means to teach changes so drastically, so quickly. Every few semesters, or no, I think it every few weeks, maybe. Um, that it's yeah, it's a hard job to keep to keep your head around. Like, what am I doing? How am I doing it? Well, who am I doing it with? And are they getting everything from it that they can? Am I meeting them fully? All that's <gasps> yeah. How how the position in the class looks on on paper is oftentimes very, I don't want to say very different. It's it's a long way from a syllabus to a classroom. It's a mm-hmm. long way from a syllabus to a classroom. Because, I mean, what the syllabus represents is what am I, what am I here to do? You know, it's like, what are, what are the things that I need to have done, so to speak? What are my objectives for this? And then, you know, you, you hit the classroom or the Zoom space whatever it might be. And it's like, okay, how do I do that with, with this collection of, 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 of individuals with who they all are, with the resources available to us today, today with mm-hmm. what's going on in, in yeah. the world today. And syllabus is a long way from the classroom. It is. And it's, I mean, you know, we understand why a syllabus exists. Um, you know, like it's like this agreement about what we intend to happen. Um, one of my mentors once like really rocked my understanding of what mm. teaching and learning was all about. Uh, one, one year I was in, I was helping her design a class and in a lot of the educational theory that I've worked through, it's like you start with the learning outcomes and then you figure out how to get people to learning outcomes. And so I'm trying to have a conversation with her about learning outcomes and she stops and she says, wait, who am I to tell you what you should be allowed to learn in my class? Yeah. And it just like, it blew my mind. The idea that that's not how learning works, that no. you don't just like, you say, okay, you're going to learn these three things and only these three things. Like I know so many of my favorite classes, the things that I got out of that class probably were not on the syllabus. Yeah, probably not. And when, when, students who we've had in the past alumni if you will sort of come back or reach out to us and and tell us what they remember about our class it was not about how we talked about photosynthesis definitely not for me no no not for you and they don't talk to me about how i how i teach you know writing composition and structure it's like no that's not the stuff they talk about they talk about these other things that don't always make it onto the syllabus i think Mm-hmm. Uh, that end up being a, things that they carry with them uh, from from the class that help them in other, not just subjects, but in other aspects of life mm-hmm. um, in intangible in ways, but very concrete ways where it's like they didn't realize it at the time that that was something that was going to be useful down the line. But it turns out that 
they're able to leverage some of these things they learned after afterwards and find that they are thankful for that lesson being learned. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and coming back and say, wow, that re- the way you did that was really great. The way that you managed that conversation was really super. Um, it looked seamless and easy at the time, but now I realize how hard that is. Good job. Um, uh, the way that you would include different people's opinions and how we approach something was was wonderful. And it's something that I didn't notice at the time, but it turns out it's cool. And, you know, I'm working on doing that myself. I mean, you hear this kind of stuff frequently you know from students when they come back and talk to you about what they what they really got out of a class and especially out of your class or my class or something like that it feels good it's meaningful you know Mm -hmm. and it it feels like ah now that's the work that i want to do you know if you want to learn photosynthesis khan academy is fantastic there are plenty of (laughs) textbooks out there that you could get that'll walk you through it from beginning to end and Mm -hmm. you and i have both asked the question uh so what are we actually doing here Right. Well, and I think that's partially because we throw around these words, like these words that we're supposed to connect to the classroom. Uh, Learning, growth, maybe. Um, I think that that is the business that we're in. Yeah. um, Which is different from memorization. Like, do you think memorization is learning I think um, that's a good question Uh, I think many people associate memorization with learning Um, I remember back when I was in high school even in college one of the tasks to do this is before the internet obviously (laughs) um, you know that you're write down your glossary of 15 concepts or words and define them so you can know what they mean and I think you and I have both noticed this and we may have even talked about it before you know sometimes sensations have a deeper felt sense of understanding if we're able to articulate them if they if there is an actual vernacular to use Mm -hmm. when talking about stuff and I've seen frustration go to joy when people have discovered there's actually a word that describes uh, this this concept that I didn't know existed and now it makes a lot more sense. Um, and I think memorization has a, has a role to play in this. Um, I don't necessarily want to think about it in terms of um, that being the end result, but I, it can be part of a, a process of framework, mm-hmm. giving a sense of framework. Um, there's almost a fake it till you make it point of view. It's like repetition can nail some concepts in that you can sort of go back in and understand uh, from behind, so to speak, if, if you need to. Exposure to things that you don't already know, including words and concepts and learning pathways, is part of the learning process. Mm-hmm. I think memorizing stuff in and of itself, maybe not, right? Because ultimately you hope through, you can memorize something and through rep- through repetition, a deeper understanding can come in that is more meaningful than just the memorized thing of it on its own my hard drive on my computer is memorized every single thing that i've saved into it you know that doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that it's learned anything or that it's smart right it's extraordinary retrieving information though right well and this relates to a podcast we recorded just for our students uh last week um about like are we playing fetch or are we learning right right um yeah so i just um 
I don't know. I, I think I've been spending a lot of time thinking about what learning is. And I don't think it's because necessarily because I'm a teacher. I think I am noticing as I sort of slow down and pay more attention to myself, maybe it's a meditation practice mm-hmm. thing. I don't know. Um, I'm starting to notice more about how I learn. Yeah, um, right. And like, you know, Paul, you and I both have PhDs. Like those things say we're like certified learners. Yeah. Um, And yet I'm learning so much about how I learn, um, how I discover the world. Um, And I think the pandemic sort of slows things down and kind of makes you like, you have to learn some things through this, I think. There is certainly opportunity to learn some things through this. And that learning will probably not be associated with memorization yeah. of things. It's I haven't a, it's a, memorized it's a, anything no, since the no, pandemic. No, neither have I. Neither have I. It's like this is a different kind of learning that we're doing here. Mm-hmm. You know, so can, can learning play a part or can, can memorization play a part in learning? Sure. It doesn't have to, though. You know, some some things are memorizey things that contribute to greater learning. Some things not necessarily are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. I know um, one of our mutual friends, Paul, uh, he memorizes vocabulary yeah. words. Yeah. Uh, and I've always really admired that. He also memorizes poetry. Yeah, poetry. I yeah. really admire that. Um, and I think it is so useful, like, to know things like that. Um but it's not, that's not always what I'm thinking about when I say, boy, have I learned things. No, that's a deeper felt sense of understanding or yeah. synthesis into, into who you are. Yeah. It's not always comfortable to, to go through. It's like getting to that point of knowing something that you've learned, a lesson learned or wisdom that was hard. I mean, saying these things are hard one tells you exactly what the process is like hard one, because it can be painful to learn Uh stuff. It can be um, disturbing. It can shine a light on parts of yourself that you don't necessarily feel like you love. Uh Um, It's confrontational a lot of times. Um, It forces an argument with you. If it is in contradiction to uh, something you currently think or believe or feel or, or think that you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and when students struggle sometimes in a class or when anyone struggles sometimes with with life, something is happening that is not going as planned or as expected and is sort of jostling stuff up a little bit, I think, sometimes, mm-hmm. uh, oftentimes to surprise yeah, I mean, that's um, Ian Mackay, who I interviewed for my dissertation. Um, I've heard him multiple times say, um, when you find that something scares you, lean in because yeah. you're about to learn something. That's the good stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> and I don't think we always think about the idea that learning or, you know, if learning is turning off our listeners because they're like, I'm not a teacher, I'm not a learner. Uh, well, Friends, you should be a lifelong learner. But I think growth, right, and learning are both, um, they're things we might aspire towards. They're things we might want in our life. But I think we don't always talk about how painful they are. Yeah. Um, But I think pain is, there's a little suffering involved in learning. Oh, absolutely. 
Yeah. Why do you think that is? Oh, why is that? Um, I think we like to think that. There's a couple of ways I can go with that. Um, I'll try not to be long-winded with it. But I, I think part of it is just ego. We like to think we got it all figured out. And, oh, we learned that thing. Now I know everything. Whoop, no, I don't, right? And you're, you're, yeah. you're surprised again by something else that is confronting you. That can be a little bit of a challenge. Um, we, we oftentimes run a, have, a, have a human habit of uh-huh. looking around at other people and thinking that other people have it all figured out and that everybody else makes it look so easy. Why am I struggling with this? Everybody else finds this to be so easy. They do not find it to be so easy. You know, uh, you're, you're comparing, um, you're comparing the outsides of people around you with your insides. How's that going to go? Uh-uh. You know, um, you're, you're, you're having an opinion of yourself that it's based on how people look on the outside and the the interesting thing about that is they're looking at you thinking that you have it all figured out too. And you're like, oh my God, it's you wouldn't believe what it's like in here. I don't have it all figured out. Um, so these, you know, human tendencies, I think that a lot of people have of, you know, evaluating your insides in the context of other people's outsides. Um, this desire to feel like you've done something difficult and you figured something out. So with the expectation that because of that, things will be easier. That's not true. Always true. That's not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. Painful events that I, that were painful before that I experience again are still equally painful as they were before. What the lesson I learned is they're temporary. You know, it's not, you know, that's, that's not going to last forever. It's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a temporary discomfort and it can be worked through and it's not fun now, but we'll get there. And, uh, it's it's interesting on how wisdom comes into these things because they really don't ch- they don't seem to change that much the nature of whether or not the experience is painful or difficult or whatever it is but it does bring a nuance to it that makes it less resist less resistance to it I don't know mm-hmm. I don't know yeah um... it's stupid though I mean why should learn I mean learning should be fun it should be a wonderful thing but it's like it's hard a lot of time it's hard and it's painful and it. Depending on well, the lesson you're learning. It's it's a, I mean, learning, like really to learn requires like a paradigm shift. It requires yeah. a rewiring. Something has to change in order for you to learn something. Yeah. And like, this is true. Like, I mean, like it's true with like the cognitive, like what's happening in your brain. It's just like, if you learn something, something in you has to be different. Yeah. Um, and and that process, yeah, it's it's hard one, right? Like yeah. you have to go through the process. Um, we were talking the other day about snakes, Paul. Yeah, we were. And snakes go through change, they right? Do. They do. I'm not going to explain the changes of snakes when I'm on the call with someone who literally teaches zoology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, would you like to explain the changes that our snaky friends go through? Uh, sure. So uh, this is information learned uh, through experience of when I was working at the St. Louis Zoo when I was uh, nice. younger. Younger, I had a. It was the best summer job ever. You know, working working at the St. Louis Zoo as a as a zookeeper. In uh, in the what they call the chil- the children's zoo, right, where all the little animals are, where a lot of kids go and they get to pet stuff and all that other kind of fun fun thing. Uh, and it was man, that would talk about an awesome job to have. That was a good one. 
Um, and so what we used to do, we used to have these uh, these shows, right, where you'd bring out a couple of animals and you'd talk about them and you would show them to people. Ooh, ah, and you get to pet the thing. Oh, cool. Yay. Ooh, it's soft. It's like, oh, it's sharp. If it's like a hedgehog or something like that. All good fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we would have this uh, three or four uh, really friendly, really sweet, uh, really nice uh, boa constrictors and each one's about six or seven feet long you know these big heavy things and so you take it and you'd, whoo, you'd hoist it over your shoulder and everybody would freak out oh man look at that um and uh you know people would either freak out oh cool and i'm ah, pretending to be very comfortable with all the you language here yeah mm-hmm. yeah Go on. It, was, it was a lot of fun and they were super nice and you know they never harm a fly well they would harm other things but not flies just things they want to eat but um we would always have to be be choosy in which one of them that we used for um, the the uh, the demonstration because they do this thing when they shed their skin and a lot of ski- a lot of snakes will do this if not all of them when shakes shed their, shed their skin right they they kind of have this uh, whitish bluish cloudy gooey stuff that exists between the the new skin below and the old skin on the on the top and um, when that uh, when that gooey bluish white cloudy stuff you know, which which is there to like separate the old skin from the new, so it can it can be removed uh, when it's when it's ready. Um, when it when it when it does that, it even goes between the scale, the old scale and the new scale, covering covering the eyes, and so mm-hmm. they they're not able to see clearly or if at all. Whereas this, and you look you look in their eye, and it's not the clear black snake eye that you're used to, right? It's this cloudy blue film. Where they right. can't see and, you know, before the, and I think the thing that we said that was so compelling when we were talking about it earlier was before the snake, this, the snake can shed its skin and be reborn, right? It, uh, it, it's hard to see, you know, mm-hmm. it goes through this period where it's a little bit aggressive. It's a little bit bitey. Um, you've got to be a little yeah. hesitant about and, it because it's a little more wary you because about it's them. not able to see right. what, what the sounds are around it that, that are, that are being made. I think we're back. Yeah, we are. Okay, yeah, let me write the time down. Yeah, it got a little wonky. Okay. Did you say something about them not being able to see? I did. Yeah, so right before they shed their skin, let me get back into it this way, right? Right before they shed their skin, right? They, they can't see what's around them. They can't see... Uh, what's making the sounds? They can't see uh, the stimuli, the things moving around around them. So we have to be a little careful around them because uh, before they're before they're able to shed their skin and be reborn into this world, um, mm-hmm. they they have this period where it, it's hard for them to to see the world around yeah. them. Yeah, clearly. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because you brought that up with me specifically because last week. Um, I was talking about the fact that I feel like I'm going through like a transitional period and I yeah. feel like I'm learning something yeah. and I feel like I'm changing. And so I literally said, like, I feel like a snake that's shedding its skin. Yeah, right. And then when you brought that extra la- layer to the metaphor, I was like, oh my gosh, like, what if we all, when we're going through changes or when we are working through something, when we're learning like, what if we brought that kind of understanding to ourselves when we're learning or when we're growing or when we're changing this idea of things feel hazy right now? Yeah. 
And that's part of the process. Yeah. The first step of, of learning something is not a greater understanding. It's confusion. Mm-hmm. It's uh, frustration. It can be uh, some unsure perspective on self and who we are. Um, and it, it, feels, it can feel like negative progress. Mm-hmm. You know, because learning is supposed to be fun and rewarding. What the hell is this? You know, I'm more confused than I was before. Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. Probably. Yeah. A lot of times when I'm working with um, students, when I'm talking about um, some project they're working on or something they're going through in my class, the moment they say to me, I feel like I'm more confused than when I started. Um, I feel like they get very frustrated with me, but I'm always excited by that. I'm like, yes, "Yes, you're learning. I'm so proud of you. Um, But they don't want to hear that, right? No. Because confusion is tricky. It's not, um, I don't know. I can think of times that I've been working through like, oh my goodness, I'm experiencing something I've never experienced before. I don't know how to put it within the heuristic I have of how the world works. Mm-hmm. Now what? Like, that's hard. Yeah. And, you know, we, we kind of have this notion that, you know, I know this now. I'm going to know this other stuff later. And so it's going to be this nice linear stepwise progression day by day, week by week um, to go from point A to point B. You're realizing when you start getting into it that sometimes you have to backtrack a little bit and take another path to sort uh-huh. of to sort of get there and that feels on in the moment like negative progress but trust me there's a higher peak uh, that you can emerge through but you got to go through a little bit of a valley first before you get there you can be confident and safe and secure with where you are but that's as high as you'll go uh-huh. you know if you want to go to the next thing sometimes you got to go down a little valley you know make a little negative progress so to speak to where you can't see that far um, to go up another hill that that can take you up to a new place where you can see farther. That was a combination of like a metaphor situation and like a personal fulfillment thing. So uh, it was fun. It It feels like that though. It feels like that though. Yeah. Yeah, it does feel like that. I think... To me. Yeah, to me. Yeah, I mean, I I think that resonates with me. I think, you know, it's... Part of what I'm thinking about now is like, so this isn't something we can avoid. This, this, the fact that sometimes you have to backtrack, sometimes it gets confusing, uh, sometimes it feels like negative progress, like all of that's true. There's no avoiding it unless you, unless you would like to be stagnant. Yeah. Um, but that's not, that's not really how I like to roll in the world. So, if we know that there's some struggle inherent in any growth, progress, whatever, learning, how do we get comfortable? Maybe comfortable is not the right word, but how do we help ourselves be with ourselves when we're confused, when we're going through some sort of transition? Um, I think... I'm really... Asking you all the easy questions. Yeah, that's, today. A, Paul, that's a good amazing. one there too. Yeah. Um, so by the end of this podcast, you'll know how Paul does it, and this may or may not, <laughs> this may or may not relate to, to you, uh, listener. Um, uh, I, I, the only way that I've been able to see to get through it with uh, any sort of mindful approach 
that is reliable to me. I mean, I could say, ah, you just kind of go with it, but that's not really true. I mean, it's easy to say that as long as you're not doing it when you're in it, just go with it is a little more difficult of an ask. Curiosity, you know, if I can, if I can bring some curiosity to the experiences I'm having, um, oh man, this is really hard to learn. Um, this is, this is really challenging me. This is really struggling with, I'm really struggling with this. Oh, what am I going to do? Oh, I can't see very clearly versus, huh? If that, let, let's just hang on for a second. If, if this thing that I'm learning, if that, if that fact, if that set of facts, if that statement, if that line of thinking is true, that looks like that ripples out into these other parts of my life that might have to adjust uh, as well. There might be ripple effects to these things as they bounce. If, if that's true, then this other stuff that I'm thinking about myself or thinking about the world might have to adjust a little bit as well. How curious is that? You know, just trying to, you know, kind of approach it all with this mind of curiosity and, uh, well, that's interesting, isn't it? It's like, wow, that's really challenging me. That is really difficult. That is not comfortable in any way. Wow, that's curious. You know, so sometimes it, it takes a little more force of effort uh, to get to that <laughs> point than, than others with the realization that sometimes some things are just going to be hard and some things are just going to be challenging. And, you know, it's, it's, it's fun to bring curiosity to it when you can. But then again, it's also good to sleep at night and it's also good to be able to sort of rest or find peace in the fact that sometimes that's what learning looks like and you'll get through it and it's, it's, it's going to be okay, but things you might, you, you might come out different on the other side where you don't know yourself as well. And can you yeah. be okay? And how can you be okay with that? It's like, well, um, we'll, we'll worry about that when we're there. Yeah. For now, let's do it one day at a time. Yeah. I think it's also, um, I think a lot of times when I'm going through some sort of change um, or some sort of period of growth, like I want to get it over with. Like, oh, I can feel, okay, yeah. this is Let's get on with it. something in me is going to have to change how I see this part of the world. Right. Um, and so then like my inclination is always to like grind at it, like keep working on it, like drudge it all out put it on display work through it yeah like i'm just constantly working with it like as though it's like a look like a loaf of bread that i'm like constantly yeah. kneading right um of course you know you can over knead a bread you can. Uh, yeah you can yeah um so one of the things that i'm trying to learn as i like watch myself learn new things which i feel like is like my super hobby um, is letting, like, not trying to do it all in one day and realizing that yeah. sometimes you have to let it rest. Yeah. yeah. You have to say, oh, well, yeah, that is tricky. And we're not going to figure it out today. So. Yeah, things happen when you sleep as well. Um, so true. Yeah, I mean, because, like, you can, something cannot make sense one day and it's like you, I, I take a nap or I go to sleep and wake up the next day and it's like, oh, that's that sleep is important in in terms of because sometimes it really does require rewiring neurological connections sometimes it really is uh, changing uh habits of thinking about how stuff is processed and that and that takes that can take a little bit of time for your literally for your neurons to adjust and sleep is instrumental in that mm -hmm. sleep is instrumental in that in that um taking breaks taking a walk taking a nap having a hot meal all these things can be really sit sit down and have a cup of tea all these things can be very uh 
I don't know what to say, encouraging to, mm-hmm. to learning, you know, because the, the approach is I'm going to sit down and read this textbook for eight hours and I'm going to learn stuff. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're going to be you're going to be junk after an hour. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you can only there's a rate that uh, that we, we learn at that uh, you can you can try to learn faster than that and it's not going to work out. You know, there's only so much during a day that you can onboard, so to speak, and, and start working on. And then, you know, realizing that that is enough and mm-hmm. having a little compassion for yourself, that is enough. And I will learn other things tomorrow and let this settle. Mm-hmm. It's important. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I think I really do think rest is an important part of of learning and growth. And, and I think we know this in other domains. Like if you want to build a muscle, like you can't just like... You can't just keep going and like lifting the same weight for 17 hours. Like, yeah. It's not going to go well. It doesn't well. go that way. Yeah. Yeah. So rest is an important part of that. So we understand that with growing other things, but we don't always apply it for uh, more abstract concepts. No, we don't. And you have to go to the gym more than once. Right. <laughs> it's, <laughs> you know, one, one super workout is not going to turn you into the Hulk, the Hulk, right. From, uh, from who you may be today it's going to take a little repetition and some discipline mm-hmm. um and some patience and some kindness and uh, a little bit of time and some self-care and there's going to be some frustration and there's going to be some discomfort and there's going to be more frustration if you do it right and there's going to be um progress that you're going to see incrementally and there's going to be times when you backtrack Mm-hmm. I mean, you've done this yourself, Sherry. You've seen this. It's like, you know, you you start taking up running or exercise or something like that. And some of those runs are great. And some of them just feel like death. And it's like, I can barely move my legs here. I don't know what the hell the problem is. It just wasn't a good, easy day for running. It's like, that's fine. You know, you get, mm-hmm. you get those too sometimes. And sometimes it's great. So um, having, I don't want to say realistic expectations, but almost having... No specific expectations, but the expectation that, you know, I can figure this out. Mm-hmm. You know, we can, if we, if we apply ourselves honestly, we can, we can learn no matter how discomforting it might be. And to see students in that place where they haven't had a lot of these experiences previously, they can really suffer pretty good. It's true. And I, I mean, I think that that's sometimes the hard one of the things, like, we, we sort of got into this conversation when I was asking you, like, why is teaching so taxing? And I don't know what's true for everyone, but I know that one of the things that makes teaching taxing for me, it's it's not always the number of papers I have to grade or the number of students I have or uh, Zoom class after Zoom class. Yeah. It's it's that thing. It's It's... Watching a student go through the process of struggling to learn when I'm on this side of that struggle and I know exactly where they're at. Yeah. I know how how horrible, utterly horrible it feels and how completely certain they are um, that they're not on the right track or that it's not going to work. Um, like, you know, like they just... They, they sort of lose steam and they they start to like really question, I think, like, I don't know, this this isn't going to work. You're, like, yeah. you're telling me to do this thing. That's not how I learn. Yeah, yeah. And 
And, like, you just have to sit with them in it. Like, there's no fixing them. It's just sometimes the hardest work I do as a teacher is not the lesson planning. It's the witnessing yeah. of learning. Can you witness somebody else going through that that struggle? Yeah. So it can be hard to watch. It is. And, and it's not just in our classrooms, right? Like, we watch this with other people in our lives. Like, um, you know, it's hard to watch the humans you love learn things. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, we're oftentimes as a witness to that, as surprised as the human that you're watching is to what they're what they're feeling, because I mean I think a lot of times we all think we we like to think how we would react and respond to situations that are unexpected when they come upon us, but when they do, we can find out, wow, this is a little more challenging than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. It's all fun and games until it actually happens, in which case you know then some then some new wisdom might have to have to come in, but not before. We spend some time with the discomfort of being challenged by by that thing in and of itself, and it is hard for students to. You know, I'm, I'm saying students a lot, but it's anyone, right? It is hard for students to feel like they're in a shared space where they're not getting something, and that feeling that everybody else already gets it, and they're they don't want to hold the rest of the class behind, and they don't want to ask a stupid question. All these things that they feel like is a betrayal for their proper place in that class when it actually. What I, what I usually say, which, you know, causes one to feel a more comfort with it is like, if you have the question about it, chances are the people in the class and I'll thank you for asking, which is usually true. But just this, oh man, this, just this, we, so much time and energy has been comparing ourselves to others, thinking that other people have it figured. And I, I said this before, you know, and, and I, I don't mean to come back to it, but it's like, I see that so much is everybody thinks they're the worst at something, right? When they don't understand it and then everybody has it has it figured out. And they don't, uh-huh. and they don't. And so there's there's that, there's like this additional struggle. Not only do you not get it, but you think you're the only one who doesn't get it. And those are kind of two separate things a little bit. And because that second one can prevent you from asking the questions and doing the work that you need to do in order to address it as quickly as it could be, or as efficiently uh-huh. as it could be. You have students like this, Sherry, right? You know people like this, right? Who, who do this? I know I do. I do it myself. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was thinking. Like, students, sure, yeah. but I also do I it. Do I do it mean, myself, yeah. I mean, you know, one of the things that's true about me is that when I went away to college, like, I didn't think I belonged there, ever. Um, and, you know, I, I've said this. Uh, I did a recording just for, for my own students where I talked a little bit about my own background with reading. Um and I've always, always, always struggled with reading. Um, and so, you know, a classic example of me feeling like, oh, I'm not learning the same way everyone else in the classroom is that literally every time I've ever been in a class where a teacher has asked, said, oh, take a couple minutes and read these two paragraphs. I never did that. Right. Because I knew there was no way I could look at those words on the page and comprehend a thing. In the amount of time that was provided, in fact, yeah. most of the time, I sat there thinking about how ridiculous it was that I wouldn't be able to read. Um, so I spent a lot of time, and I, least we forget, I have three degrees in yeah. English, right? right? Um, so, you know, like, I, part of what's interesting about this is, like, you get so comfortable in that that narrative about, like, Oh, everyone else is like this and I'm like that. Um, 
that you don't even necessarily notice yourself change or learn. Yeah. Um, like somewhere along the way, um, not only did I learn to like actually comprehend what I would, was reading, I actually learned to read aloud and I'm pretty damn good at it. Yeah. Um, right. but I still just, I still, it's something that changed. Um, but it was so hard won that I don't even think I noticed the change happen mm. because I was so busy telling myself stories about what I couldn't do. Yeah. Right, right. And I see that a lot of times with students where they're so, people, they're so like, they're so quick to say things about who they are that they have not noticed they're not that person anymore. Yeah, right. It's a story that they keep reinforcing within themselves that might not actually be true in any way. Yeah, like I have a student uh, who... Uh, he's just about five months away from graduating from UVA now. Um, so making me so proud yeah, all the time. Yeah, right. uh, already has a job. He's amazing. Um, but I remember his first semester at Nova, um, him like confessing to me that he, you know, didn't, he wasn't really a good student. Mm-hmm. And this was like six or seven weeks into the semester. And I was like, Ooh. Wherever that comes from, yeah. it's not true now. Like, you can't convince me that you're a bad student at this point. Um, and now that we're cleaning up at UVA, I think there's a lot of evidence, right? And cleaned up at Nova, um, you know, was all the right things. But I think learning things about who we are and changing our beliefs about ourselves, maybe that's some of the hardest learning to do. Yeah, I really think it is. Um, I really think it is. And um, I remember my own educational experiences. I think that's a big part of when my imposter syndrome uh, kind of started to ramp up a little bit. And, um, oh man, it's any day now they're going to figure out that I'm not the student that they think I am. And uh, the jig is going to be up. And and I still carry that a little bit with me today. But, you know, just the just the heft of the evidence suggesting otherwise that I can be taught, you know, and I can learn mm-hmm. things sort of outweighs that a little bit. But, you know, I spent years. It's like, oh, man, one of these days they're going to figure out that I don't belong here and then it's going to be all over and I'm going to have to go be, a, I don't know, work at the drive through somewhere, which is a fine and reputable job, but not the one that I thought I was in for when I was mm-hmm. going to graduate school. Um, and uh, that's a tough one. And, you know, I've known a number of, of people, again, not just students, who – would would say, despite all the evidence to the contrary, that they're not a good learner or they're not, you know, a good student or whatever it whatever it might be. And I'm curious what it is that can, you know, that can rest within a, someone where, despite all the evidence of to the contrary, there's still this clinging on to this notion that they're not a good student or not a good learner or that they're incapable of being taught or whatever it might be, despite piles of evidence otherwise, you know, why, why, why cling to that? Why hang on to that? What is, what is it providing? Mm -hmm. How would you, how would you describe what's going on there? Oh, the clinging. Well, I think, I think learning another way to talk about yourself is, it's an intentional process you have to go through. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah, I think it is. Right? Like, <clears throat> so 
our listeners may not know, but Paul knows, um, something that I've decided that I want to do is to write a book um, that's main goal is basically to help people relearn who they are as a writer. Right. Um, because I can't tell you how many people, and, and this might be an occupational hazard. Uh, so I tell somebody, hey, so I'm an English teacher. And the automatic response to that, um, and maybe other people get this in other professions, I'm sure they do. Um, but almost every time I tell somebody that I'm an English teacher, I get, oh, I'm a terrible reader, or oh, I'm a bad writer, right. or my grammar's right. the worst. Um, we carry these beliefs around, um, and no one's doing the fact checking, right? Like, so, yeah. um, so part of what I think we have to do is figure, we have to be willing to like look at the things that we say about ourselves and actually um, be willing to do an investigation to try to figure out how to, how to rewrite them and how to rewire them. And so that's what I want to do with this book that I want to write is basically uh, coach people on how to rewrite a belief. Yeah. About themselves. Yeah, so important. That would be so important. And I, I do think a lot of that, I mean, I might be wrong. I might be thinking about this too simplistically. I do think a lot of that is habit. Just the habits of how we refer to ourselves, the habits about how we think of ourselves, the habit of feeling settled in knowing who we are, mm-hmm. um, regardless of whether or not that's true. And that's one of the things that frustrates me so much with this concept of learning styles. Oh, Sherry just literally almost threw up on her microphone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I bristle at the concept of that. Um, yet it's still so widely known. It's still so widely taught. It's still so widely accepted. It's so obnoxious. Like, oh my God, Paul. Um, Paul, what's your favorite kind of pizza? Oh, Boy, I wish that was an easier answer. Uh, I like, I'm a pretty classic margarita. I do like mushrooms, but I, as you know, I also do like anchovies, which is a little bit mm-hmm. curious. Uh huh. Okay. So, so, but you, you first said margarita. Thin so crust, now you can thin never crust, eat any basil, other pizza. Yeah. No other pizza can you ever have that will ever be satisfying because you have a preference for margarita pizza. Now you're done. I, I can't eat that pizza. It's not margarita. Not margarita. Yeah. No, um, yeah, that's how people handle the learning styles. And it's, um, it's so limiting, um, because people, uh, people lose so many opportunities. Yeah, right. right. And, and then they use this language about themselves, like, oh, I'm, I'm a visual learner, so you have to draw pictures for me all the time, or I will never learn anything. Yeah, I don't think that's true. No, it's not. It's not. Because there's lots of things that you have learned to do that never had a visual component to them. Right? Is the learning style that people say they have, that they prefer, really the learning style that asks them to, to reconcile the least? I think right it's like is is the learning style the one that's going to result in the least learning? I think it is because I think people's preferred learning style it's learning style is really even the wrong word there. Yeah, I think it's information style. Yeah. I would prefer information be presented to me this way. 
That's not about learning. No. Because learning requires discomfort. And so if you stay in the land of what makes you feel warm and fuzzy, you will not learn. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't, yeah, like, I don't know. I think I learned the most. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and I was like, life is hard. Yeah. And then we both kind of settled on the fact that, yes, life is hard, but we can do hard things. Yeah. In fact, we're yeah. good at hard we're things. We're better at hard things than we are at easy things. You know? Yeah, easy things are boring. Yeah, who wants to do easy things? Yeah. So I don't know. Learning styles really and just, really yeah, and and for the for the record, almost every time that this whole concept of learning styles has come up to any sort of rigorous analysis, it's like there's no there there anyway. Yeah, there's no indication that people retain information or integrate it preferentially one way versus another, with the exception of one actual thing that you could almost call a learning style, which is, you know, activities that integrate information and lock it into place through practice. It's like, now that works, that works, but but this visual versus reading versus, it's like, that's, that, that doesn't seem to be any there there to it. And I really think you're right. It is an inf- preferred informational style that doesn't have anything to do with learning. And the style you prefer is the one that asks the least of you. Yeah, yeah. You no, know, it's like it's 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 the, it's the way to make sure that you don't that, that you learn the least, <laughs> not 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 the most. Yeah, and I mean, but that's also <laughs> present so information funny. to me in a way that does not challenge me, please. Please, yeah. So you know, whenever I do whatever assessments to figure out what my learning style is, yeah. So yeah. I prefer auditory experiences, right? Right. And no one who knows me is surprised by this. I literally have a podcast. Yeah, right. I love to talk. Um, you know, I love music. Like, all of this makes perfect sense, right? Um, so I love an audiobook yeah. because it doesn't demand much of me. But you know what else is true about me? If I listen to an audiobook, I will retain nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Um, because the way of reading that is most useful to me uh is the most challenging for me and once i force my brain to reconcile what's on a page in front of me which is hard one once i do that it stays in my head yeah um and this is why i can be talking to people and say oh yeah um hang on this was in a book that i was just reading and i can show i can find the page and i can know oh it was on the right hand side and it was about two-thirds of the way down and it's probably around page I don't know. It feels like the book was about a quarter inch thick on the left side when I was yeah, holding it's, it. It's like I there. know, yeah, it's around there. Yeah, right. And all of that is like, oh, there's a little kinesthetic in there. My approach to learning is very complicated. That describes an experience you were having. Yes. Right. It was describing an experience you were having. Yeah, and sometimes when I'm learning, when I'm reading, right, like I have to read a passage aloud because my brain is too distracted. And so I will cue in that auditory thing. I'll say, okay, Sherry, you need to pay attention. We're going to read this aloud until you start paying attention. Yeah. Yeah, but it doesn't mean I can't learn in other ways. What's your learning style, Paul? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I actually actually ever took the. Was there an assessment or something that 
I have no idea, actually. (laughs) That does this, you know, and I think the nature of the assessment is, you know, tell me what your learning style is. And everybody always says, I like pictures. And that's rarely because I think they've learned through pictures. I think it's because folks lack attention span and focus. And Yeah. You know. Well, but I mean, like... (sighs) It's so frustrating, right? Like the I think the smartphone ruined that for us all, right? With the instant gratification feedback uh, yeah. model of it all. Well, the, and you can push this kind of thinking to a place where it's kind of absurd, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. oh, okay, sure. so you're a visual learner, so you're never going to go to a restaurant that doesn't have pictures on the menu? Yeah. Mm. That's a hard life, yo. It is a hard life. Like, mm. Sorry, you're going to lose a lot of things with that. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. You know? Oh, you're only going to go... You'll you only order things off the menu if it's been read to you? Like, what? what's even happening? Yeah. Um, so, you know, what we've talked a lot about today is, like, learning. And we've, we've talked about student experiences a lot. But this does uh, apply to just everyday life kind of stuff. Things that we're capable of learning in our interactions with others in the way that we organize our calendar or our day, what's working, what's not. Um, Sometimes we are forced to reconcile the way that we sort of live our lives and a new way must be, or doesn't must be learned. It could, we could be served by learning some new lessons in how Mm -hmm. we, how we approach. And I think you and I both learn, uh, learn things every day. And we certainly learned a lot since March uh, Mm -hmm. when the pandemic started in what education is, what our roles are, as educators, what our roles are in the community or in a household and um, how we live our best lives if we dare to even say something like that in the, in the conditions that we're, that we're in. And um, this is not a, a life or a set of circumstances I would wish on, on anyone or any community, but there are lessons to be learned here in these circumstances. Well. Well, I mean, I, yeah, it's one of these things where you don't you don't wish pain and discomfort on others. But th- there's no denying that this has been whether we liked it or not a learning experience. Yeah, and the the fact that it's so hard and that it's so challenging and it's so difficult. Yeah, you're learning something. Yeah. Right? You are becoming aware of a felt experience of something which is not a pleasant one based on who yeah. you are and the conditions you're in and th- you're learning something. Yeah. By force, if not by choice. Well, because what's the alternative? Like Yeah. What if we choose what if we willfully deny ourselves learning in a difficult moment? What happens? Yep. The worst possible thing I could imagine. Uh, you come out of it the same person you were when you went in. It's a, it's a, it's missed opportunity. It's squandered. Uh, it's squandered. It's squandered life. It's squandered yeah. life. And that, I mean, that's why I'm so resistant and hesitant to this. You know, I can't wait till this is over and we can all go back to normal. It's like, I, there's no normal. You know, I don't know how you're feeling, but there's no normal for me after this. This is a, a new way is going to emerge because not because things are going to be so much different when the pandemic is over. I'm going to be a different person when the pandemic is over based on the lessons I've learned during yeah. it. Blessed I mean, be, that's what, you know, may it be so. Yeah. May and I don't so. want to get like, I don't want to get to this place where it's like, so if you could just be happy where you are, you'll, everything will be rosy. Cause I don't think that's it. No. But I do think like, I, I don't know. I did. I do feel like I hit a point during the pandemic where I thought, 
if I can figure out how to live my best life now without clinging to the life that I wish I was having. Yeah. If I could figure that out now, then imagine how much better the rest of my life will be. It seems like a good lesson to learn. Yeah. That seems like like, a valuable lesson to learn. I mean, that's a lesson for everyone right there. It is. And, um, and I think that's, it's hard though. Like I, it's hard because I see a lot of people in my community who are, who are not learning that lesson or who aren't, who maybe don't have the resources, um, to get there yet. Uh, and so it's really hard. Um, and, and, and I think you know this, Paul, because you have been witness to a lot of my learning in the last eight months or so. Yeah. I think getting to a place where I feel like right now where I'm like, yeah, um, I've gotten to a reasonably good place learning to thrive within circumstances that are not ideal. And so... It's been hard, but I do think uh, the pain will be already is worth it. And I think I will see dividends post-vaccination. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, both of us last week were uh, on our campus. Was mm-hmm. that last week? Yeah, was it was that last, last week? Friday. Uh, yeah, we, we, last week. And uh, we went in to pick up some stuff and... Uh, we, you know, uh, chatted for a little while and, um, it was so weird. It's like, man, it was like an eternity ago that I was here. Uh, the, the calendar on your wall still had, still said March on it. Right. So it was like a little bit of a walking dead situation there. You know, what was crazy is the last time you had been in that office was when we recorded episode. Yeah. Episode one. one. Um, and here we are on what is this 39 39 mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and it's like just looking around there it was like going in a, mu- a museum a little bit and it was this notion that kind of came over me and i was talking about this it's like it was really kind of weird getting into my office and going to campus because the the sense that i was that i was getting was this is who i was mm-hmm. all this stuff this office with these things where they are these papers on this desk this is all who this is stuff this is a reminder of who i was and this is not who I am. Mm-hmm. So it was like, wow, that's curious. It's like, boy, that is curious. <laughs> that is really curious. Um, yeah. And there was some nostalgia in that. There was, uh, uh, it was almost like witnessing the the office of somebody who who was was somebody you didn't know because you you've moved on and some things resonate a little bit more than most. But it's like this is. This is this is who I was, and uh, I don't know how I would organize this space differently today. Mm-hmm. But it wouldn't look like this. Yeah, and there's there's a little bit of a gnawing pain in that, right? Yeah, like, there was. It wasn't entirely comfortable. It wasn't. Ent- mm-hmm. It was not entirely mm-hmm. comfortable. So, how is this Paul different? Oh boy! Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, I don't know if I have a good answer to that one. 
Um, Paul sees the value in doing more with less, mm. I think. Um, I mean, something that we, we've talked about over and over again. I thought I understood this before. I really understand this better now. The importance of connection and meaningful connection. Mm-hmm. And the benefit of the connection with, with people, with students, with colleagues, whoever it might be, is not in what emerges from the connection, but the nature of the connection itself. All this stuff is not the point. Yeah. You know, the fact that, that we're sharing this existence is. Yeah. And and that was clear because, I mean, when I went to my office, you know, it's like, what is all this stuff? All this stuff. Why do I have that? I recycled so much stuff. It's like, well, this is going in the bin. Funk. Uh, I don't need this anymore. It's like, why did I even bother with this kind of stuff? Clearly, this isn't the point. You know, so a little per- a perspective on what the point is. Uh, uh-huh. Going back to episode one, which was missing the point, uh, which <laughs> I might go back and listen to that one of these days just to see. Wouldn't that be an interesting thing to do? Oh, we were so young then. So Paul. young, yeah. That was uh, it. Was like it was it was like nine months ago or something like that. Um, I wonder if we recorded another podcast called "Missing the Point." You know uh, how that would how that would go. I almost would love at some, maybe we'll have to do this on the year anniversary. I would love to record another episode on missing the point, wherein we just critique our first episode and how much we miss the point. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of listen to little snippets. It's like, what the hell was I thinking? Right. Clearly that's not the point. Because what I was talking, I I think some of the things we were talking about that episode is like, oh, the quad, let's all go hang out on the quad. It's like, that is not something we're going to do anytime in the near future. Right. And God, I hope that that's not the point because if it is it being interacted with in that way is not something that can that can possibly happen so how can we do that with zoom and or i mean pick a platform skype whatever you'd like uh yeah it'd be interesting to listen to that episode again i might actually go back and do it i might actually go back and do it one of these days and and, because that's the that's the bar i mean we accidentally did the perfect science experiment right we we said what was important to us the week before the pandemic yeah. And we recorded it and it's out there, right? So listeners, if you have not yet listened, episode one, uh, March, missing the point. I think the audio was pretty good. Yeah, uh, it wasn't but, bad. <laughs> I, but We've so, learned a lot since then, yeah, haven't we? Yeah, we have technological changes. We have methodological changes, right? You know, it's, it is interesting in some ways, I think, th- thinking about learning styles, I think this podcast has become how I learn. Um, Yeah. Right. Like we end up, we end up checking in, like even how we plan the topics, like, Oh, what kind of, what themes keep, keep emerging? What can we not avoid any longer, Paul, that we have to figure out? Yeah. And the podcast episodes, I think that a little more dull are the ones that we record when I'm feeling pretty good about everything. And I feel like I get everything figured out. The good ones are when I'm struggling with something. Just it, you, because I don't matter. Yeah, I still can't refer to I can only speak for myself and my own <laughs> experience with them. But uh, it's like, it's like, yeah, feeling good, feeling comfortable. Nothing's really challenging me right now. It's like that episode for me is like, uh, you know, it, it, they're they're all great, but uh, mm. and, and fun to record. But the ones that really feel like they hit, you know, are the ones when I'm. It's the recording it itself is a way for me to reconcile through. Uh, some things i think you're saying that you prefer the episodes that you learn from 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because mm-hmm. um, sometimes yeah. it's like, wow, I didn't know that was going on, right? Inside of me, yet clearly it is. How interesting, yeah. you know? And we all get it's, to witness, you know? Yeah, it's interesting. A former student of mine uh, texted me and said that she was going to get caught up on the podcast. And she asked me which episodes I recommended. And I thought that that was such yeah. an interesting thought experiment for me uh, to to from this point of view, like articulate which are the ones that have the most value to me. Yeah. yeah and one yeah. of the things I told her was to go re to to focus on listening to thirty up. Like I you know, in some ways I feel like the first twenty nine episodes we were figuring out what we were doing. And maybe that's all we ever do. Like we learn by podcasting. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, listeners, Thank for you, coming listener. with us on our learning journey. <laughs> yeah, may may you get something of value from this, you know, in the, yeah. in the, in the listen. But, but the specific episodes that I recommended to her were the ones that surprised me the most. The ones where I thought we were going to go in with a particular path. And then, whoa, buddy. Different direction. It went a direction. I had no idea we were going to talk about learning styles today, but that seems certainly relevant to this conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, yeah, you know what? That is not that is relevant. great. That, but that, I mean, that's why, it, it you know, people. some of the episodes that stand people. out, like the rates of things episode that we always. Yeah, that one hit pretty good. Like, yeah. yeah, we talk about it like it's a classic. Yeah. Um, I think that was one of the first ones where I could really notice myself learning yeah. on the job. Yeah. Yeah. 100% yes episode was a good one. Yep. And of course, episode one, I thought was fantastic. I got. I really have to go listen to that one again. Yeah, we were so young yeah. then. And oh. listener, I think one of the best episodes is going to be the one that comes out next. So just wait and see what Episode 40. 40. It's going to be great. Stay tuned. I can't wait to find out what it's about. I can't wait to find out either. It's going to be... <laughs> It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be fantastic. So, yeah. And uh, fantastic cool. it will be. So, thanks, Sherry. Well, yeah. Great thanks, chat. Paul. Great chat. Thanks, listeners. Thank you, listeners. Uh, we really appreciate your downloads and your listens and your comments and your questions. So, um, if you're not yet following us on one of our platforms, the Insta or the Twitter or the Facebook, feel free uh, to, to like and follow up there. And we post some stuff up there every once in a while. I know Sherry's had a couple of blogs that came out recently catch up on those if you want to I, I feel like sherry got one or two cooking actually i might i might post something here in a little bit so i'm excited i'm excited not today not tomorrow but maybe by i'm not even gonna put a deadline on myself i got i, I, I feel like i got a couple a whole blog for thanksgiving oh maybe you know i might be able to work on that i might be able to work on that so very cool this is how we motivate a paul yeah do, do you want people to think that you don't blog? You don't know. I can't live with that. So I'm going to have to post something now. I can be, Paul used to have a blog. I can be gamed yeah, a little bit to do some stuff. Well, thank you, Sherry. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Paul. Well, thank you, listener, once again. And we'll see everybody on the flip. And yep. uh, this is coming out on the Tuesday of Thanksgiving week. So happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, Everyone. y'all. Yeah, we actually able to rem- reminded, remembered that and we're able to actually wish people a good holiday before the holiday instead of after. So that's fun. Take care, everybody. Okay, bye. Bye-bye.
This podcast is produced by Sherry Spiegel, Paul Fitzgerald, and This Most Unbelievable Life. For more information, please check us out at www.thismostunbelievablelife.com. Paul and Sherry have a podcast. Paul and Sherry podcast, yes. Yes.